Welcome to Feels Like Healing with me, Al Lewis. A podcast where I talk to artists about how creativity has helped them process their grief. The reason I'm making this podcast is because when I was 21, I lost my dad to MS. That seismic moment in my life made me decide to become a singer-songwriter. I'd been making music before that point, but never considered it a life choice or as a career. However, after the death of my dad, creativity became a solace for me and a way I could express both my joy and my pain. It made me feel alive in the very moment when I was confronted with the ephemeral nature of life and the devastating reality of loss. So I wanted to talk to other people who've ended up in the creative world, but who've also experienced loss, to see whether they have similar stories of why they got into creativity or whether they were already creative people and just happened to suffer grief. I hope during these conversations that I will come to better understand grief and why it makes us feel how we feel and do what we do. This is Feels Like Healing. My guest this week on Feels Like Healing is the Bristol-based singer-songwriter Sam Brooks. Sam's debut album from 2011 saw him named by the Sunday Times as one of the breaking acts for that year, and his independently released follow-up Kairos was named as one of the albums of the year by The Independent. And his last album, Black Feathers, which came out in 2020, deals with grief, and therefore I thought he would be a perfect guest for this podcast. Hi Sam, how are you doing? Hey Al, how's it going man? Thanks oh, for having good. me on. Oh, thanks for coming on. Um, so as I, as I alluded to, your, your last album, Black Feathers, deals with grief, but before we delve further into that, in terms of being a creative person, have you always known that you wanted to be a musician because that's often something that can sp- grief can be something that sparks people to become creative but it sounds like perhaps you were always a creative person mm. in, before grief ever came to your door am i right i've always just sat with the guitar uh mostly mostly the guitar and felt things i think that's always been the way that i've expressed myself or understood what was you know songwriting happened for me um, when I was very, very young, um, and it was me trying to just write about what it was that I was feeling. And, and I think I got a real, um, connection to, to myself through that and like, oh, okay, we can make sense of things here if we write a song about it. That's cool that you made that in sort of connection early on in your life that you realized that that was a pathway for you to better understand yourself and to and to give yourself some sort of yeah connection to what was going on in your life yeah definitely it's interesting because there's like a duality there with with making that connection but also um like my parents split up at an early fairly early age and I think from from writing songs from an early age and seeing their reaction to me writing and singing was also a powerful thing yeah. because it gave me the attention and it got their attention and it got them to kind of like both be together and be like oh look at Sam you know and so that's that's also kind of uh, those two things basically set me on my on my path yeah. to be a, to be a songwriter I get and a performer in that way yeah, because I my parents split up too when I was a young lad, and uh, mm. and yeah, I, th- I do think sometimes that yeah, that it's that um, that ability to put down on paper what you're going through that perhaps you can't vocalise in a conversation with, let's say, your parents that 
it enables you to like you say have a voice and uh and put it down in a way that perhaps i also find that i don't know if you agree like sometimes singing how you're feeling is a is a bit easier than saying it do you know what i mean oh definitely yeah <laughs> i mean well it's like you know somebody can somebody can open their their mouth start singing and before you've even heard the word you can feel it mm. you know it's I'm, I'm a i'm a big lover of the voice you know i love i love singing and i love hearing other people's voices i love hearing yeah what they're not saying i guess exactly you know what we're talking about mm. um and just feeling what they're expressing you know um yeah i'm definitely one you know for better or for worse uh, writing a song about it rather than talking about it <laughs> yeah well there, yeah there's another conversation to be had there about that isn't there if we rewind a bit like because i i normally ask in terms of when did grief first come down on a page for you the journey from the second record to the third record was long because i actually uh, wrote a hell of a lot of music hell of a lot of songs i recorded an album and paid for it <laughs> <laughs> and then canned it because um, wow. i just realized that it wasn't the record that i wanted to make at that point um it wasn't saying what I th felt, what I realised now, what I needed to say. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but during that time, um, I lost my dad and then I went through uh, a breakup, but uh, I was with my partner for 12 years. So it was oh, yeah. uh, quite a big event, should we yeah. say, <laughs> to yeah. go through alongside having just lost my dad, like maybe four years, three years before that. And then in that time, I also lost a good friend to suicide. So mm. it was, and I'm, I'm definitely somebody that, um, you know, friends of mine would say I'm quite a happy, optimistic kind of person. And I like to be optimistic, but sometimes there are things that uh, you need to to write about and you need yeah. to sit down and, and let them come to the surface at what point did it become clear to you um because i was just looking online at your website and you've made it you've made it quite clear in your imagery and your videos um what black feathers is about and mm. you're not afraid to say it in the press release either is like was that a conscious decision you made you and your manager to sort of make this a piece about gr grief and not to shy away about what it was about yeah it, it was those traumatic events you spoke about had they happened already before you made that decision to not yes. release that album uh yes yes they had yeah um and i think it was a kind of i, w I wasn't with my manager that I'm with now I wasn't with him when I'd started the process of making that other album and I was just in I'm very much somebody that when I get uh, faced with a, a problem or or a, yeah a difficult time I'm a bit like right get your head down just start working just kind of hit it straight on you know and, and I think that was my way of dealing with, with it was like okay I've got some songs let's make an album let's go 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 come <laughs> on guys get a band together let's get a producer yeah. you know when actually I, I, there's no regrets for sure because I wouldn't have made the album that I made if I hadn't made those decisions but 
And that was my way of dealing with it at the time. Then um, I sat down. A few other songs emerged in that time. Uh, song 18 and Sleeping. Um, the song Black Feathers uh, came. And uh, The Sleeper, which also finishes the album. So yeah, three or four songs kind of emerged after I made that decision. One of them being the, the title track of the album. Um, and in fact, interestingly, yeah, those, I guess two of those songs are really about my, what I was going through in a res in result of what had happened in mm. terms of my own depression, basically. Mm. Um, and one's more of an abstract song about black feathers. Um, and then the other one's a little bit more direct about 18 and sleeping. You know, I was very much reminded of feelings that I'd had when I was a much, you know, when I was a teenager and like not wanting to get out of bed and not wanting to face the world, just wanting to wrap up and and kind of keep the world away, I guess. And then The Sleeper was a song that was basically saying goodbye to my, um, my ex-partner, basically. Mm. So yeah, those songs kind of came along and um, I, I think I took a step back and I realised that, you know, I kind of realised what all these songs were about and, you know, my manager helped me kind of craft, yeah, the album theme and, and everything around it. But, I mean, the videos were an interesting one because they were, they were something that I saw um, instantly. You know, when I was writing the album... When I was doing, when I was recording, I was kind of writing down all these ideas and obviously using the crow as a um, symbolism for grief. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I've, I've, I don't know if you've read. There are a few books when I decided to sort of embrace grief as a creative mm. uh, spark, or I don't know what you want to call it. Or, but I, I noticed there are quite a few books dealing with grief that revolve around birds. And yeah. uh, the cr um, grief is the thing with feathers. Have you read that book? Yeah, thinking of H for Hawk as well. Um, oh, I've read book that. That's that's a really good book about a woman who loses a father. Mm. And um, I'm also reading Featherhood right now by um, Charlie Gilmore, which is a he has a magpie, and uh, oh, right. and I just um, I just wondered if that yeah if that was a deliberate thing on your behalf to to use the crow and. Oh yeah, and so, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely was. I think it was. Um, I do you know what? I don't know whether grief with the thing, grief is the thing with feathers came <laughs> first, whether I read that first or not. Yeah. Um, but I loved that book, and I was lucky enough to see it on the stage as well oh, with wow. Killian, Killian Murphy played um, the father in it, and cool. that was just. Yeah, I mean that was really inspiring seeing the seeing the the live adaptation of it. Um, just the kind of I think if if my budget had been bigger for the videos, we could have done everything that was in my head. But um, I'm <laughs> so proud Killian of to videos, appear. <laughs> yeah, ask Killian. That would have been amazing. Yeah, um, but I did actually get in touch with the author of Grief Visiting with Feathers because yeah. he, um, funnily enough had already listened to my stuff and was a fan of my previous record so um cool. which was a surprise to me i didn't know but i got in touch with them just to say how much 
that the book and the live adaptation had inspired the videos. It was a kind of a playful way of uh, of expressing the grief and a simple kind of way as well. You know, we didn't have a lot of money to make those videos, so it was a very theatrical um, approach yeah. directed by a friend of mine, Helena Middleton, who actually directs theatre and stuff. So, yeah, cool. Um, well, they look great. They look really cool, and yeah, they work as a as a piece within the music as well, don't they? Yeah, well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And so, have you found, you know, as we mentioned before, the album came out in 2020, have you found now, is there a sense of catharsis in having not only written that material, but released it out into the world? Does it feel, does it feel healing to have have done that, to have confronted the grief and put it into a a positive um, place by creating a body of work out of that grief? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's interesting having this conversation with you now because um, when I released the album in 2020, it wasn't a great year for everybody and not mm. a very good year for releasing music, especially yeah. an album about grief. <laughs> Trying to get that on the radio was a bit of a hard task. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, and and the sort of fallout of that, you know, it was. I wanted, you know, like we all do, we want our art to be listened to, don't we? We wanted to reach people and, and to connect with people. Um, and even though it didn't connect in certain areas, radio and all the rest of it, um, I was able to connect with uh, a community online. You know, I did a lot yeah. of live streaming over that time. And, and um, yeah, actually, I'm just so thankful for that period because... I wouldn't have made the connections that I had made in the way that I made them. And then to go out and do the live tour last November, that was very a very cathartic experience because I was definitely um, I was definitely feeling quite uh, empty. As you do after an album campaign, don't you? Yeah. You know, you, you put a lot of your heart and soul into it, whatever it might be about. But I think because of the, the topic was so so personal um it took me a while to kind of like get back up on my feet and go okay what's next you know um what and we, how what did those doing? songs feel like to you playing them live because um i'm i'm quite nervous about playing these songs that i've written about grief live because are you well first of all i just i'm just worried i'm gonna cry as well like singing them because like, mm. like you just alluded to there's a lot of personal um grief uh within what i've written and uh so yeah singing them live is seems like quite a daunting task to me how was it for you yeah there were definitely some moments that's for sure <laughs> um i the 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 set became so i played with the band yeah. um which i feel at times helped to have you know your friends around you with a record like this yeah. and do you know what it'd be interesting it would be really interesting to to talk to them about this because um it's a shame we can't just like beam them in right now because it's it's one thing to yeah to write and perform a record about grief and have that heavy feeling as an artist to deliver but also as musicians that are around you to mm. kind of like um to support that you know yeah. they were very really lovely sensitive people um, they were, they are um, on the tour but I never really asked them about that but yeah there were moments for me 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I can cry at anything, Al. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I quite queer eye. So, um, <laughs> hey, that's the total um, most program that is. It is, yeah. You know, like, oh, honestly, I'm there with my girlfriend, and next thing you know, like, I'm checking over to see whether she's crying because I'm about to cry. You know. <laughs> Anyway, well, I try watching uh, kids kids cartoons. That's what's getting me right now. Watching is them with my daughter and uh, oh. you know, all these Disney films, and you're like, oh man, they just get you. They just yeah. Get you. <laughs> Randy Newman starts singing, and you're like, oh. <laughs> I think it's um, I think it's part of the deal, you know. Um, I mean, I found fa- I found that sometimes the emotion came when I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Um, because we do we do kind of wear a slightly different suit, don't we, when we go on stage? And mm. um, emotion is always there in our songs. Uh, but then sometimes, yeah, I was caught out a couple of times speaking about it. Probably, yeah, 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 more than singing about yeah, it, of course. Um, because that's the unsafe place. Yeah, I guess the true. safe place is kind of singing the song. Mm. Um, but you know, it was it was very cathartic that album, you know that tour playing playing music with the band and uh, connecting with people after the shows and it's it's been interesting looking back on it. Did did people open up to you about similar experiences themselves? You know, the- yeah, yeah, lots of I mean, lots of people about mental health actually more yeah. than anything else. I think because the songs are not necessarily like narrative led about grief in a kind of storytelling way you know it, uh, some of the songs are i think you can access them on, on in a very kind a of different um, level yeah on a different yeah. level rather than being led down a kind of storyline so i think a lot of people connected with them in yeah from a very sort of grieving their themselves you know mental Mm -hmm. health and and through that period of the pandemic and everything so i got a lot of people kind of reaching out to me about that um and yeah a lot of guys about male depression and Mm -hmm. not really knowing what to do with those feelings and that kind of thing um that must give you a, a great sense of um I don't know what the word is. Satisfaction is not the right word, but you know, mm. a feeling that your work has has done its job. I suppose, isn't it? It's you've opened up the conversation. You, you've you've put your line in the sand, and and it's made other people feel not alone. I think is the thing, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. I think that you know. I think that's probably that's probably it, really, isn't it? It's like yeah. I think I started writing songs. I think I write songs to connect with people and not feel alone with yeah. necessarily what I'm feeling, and then for somebody else to be like, "Yeah, that makes me feel not alone too," is yeah. is, uh, is a completing of the the circle. Yeah. Um, so, do you think moving forward now, are you going to keep playing these songs, or do you feel like you've is that a body of work that needs to rest for a bit? How do you how do you feel about those songs now, a couple of years on? I I still think songwriting wise they feel the strongest songs that I've ever written you know Mm. Um, and I love playing them Um, and I and I will continue to play them I do wonder how they might exist moving forward in sets where I'm 
yeah, playing slightly different material, you know. Um, so like this, I'm writing a new album. Well, actually, I've just finished recording a new album, um, which is it's quite the opposite <laughs> to grief. <laughs> Good. Um, That's how we often it, work, isn't it? We go from one extreme to the other. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, you know, I played a set the other day and I played 45 minutes of older material and then 45 minutes of new material. And it was, a, it was, a, it was like two, two acts, you know, very, very <laughs> different. I will continue to play these songs and they mean more to me now than, than they did at the time, in a way, looking mm. back on them, um, as, old, as old friends do. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, they stick and around and... Mm. And you were saying how, and I can totally relate to this idea that the talking bit in between was often the hardest bit compared to actually the singing of the songs. How do you feel like your relationship with grief has changed in terms of that, in terms of talking about grief? Because um, I've found a real resolution in an, an inner ability to to confront it a lot more having started writing about it do you feel more confident in in talking about grief now yes i remember or should i say talking about the people you've lost because i think that's what i found difficult to talk about because i lost my dad really? when i was 21 and oh, right. i sort of buried him um, metaphorically in my head and wouldn't wouldn't often talk about him for for fear that it would caused me too much distress and I would break down and I didn't want to create that embarrassment for whoever I was with and mm. so it's only recently that I've been able to talk about him and to do so in a way that I felt I could keep a hold of my emotions and, and be alright and, and also get a get something out of talking about him and how, how, are you, how are you able to talk about your friend that you lost and your dad, are you are you in a place where you can talk openly about them? Yeah, yeah, I am. I That's mean, good. I, you know, I, I think I've always been, I've always been a talker, <laughs> if I'm honest. You know, That's I good. think it's uh, yeah. I, I've always been, I was always encouraged to do that when I was younger, and you know, I thank my mum and dad for that because they, they really, uh, yeah, got me to. I'm going to do another Star Wars reference. Search my feelings. Um, I can't help it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, and I think I think the one thing though is that the one thing that has changed is when you do come across people that has lost somebody, there is an unspoken connection and understanding between you. Yeah, I remember. So when my dad passed, I was living up in London and I came back down to where he lived and that was also where he ran his business that I used to work for and um, he had a load of orders that still needed to be um, met and I knew all his customers because that's you know I used to have relationships with them so I decided to take on the business for I don't know maybe nearly maybe a year in total wow. after he died and that was a strange time um but i remember this um and what was that business if you don't mind me asking yeah yeah um so my dad used to make picture frames 
and we used to hand make them cool. um, and he taught me uh, the process of gilding cool. so I used to lay gold leaf onto picture frames and we used to restore old picture frames and yeah he would, he was a very kind of talented craftsman in that way um, creative family then yeah 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 he was very creative like that he played guitar he taught me to play guitar um but he was very quick to tell me uh well i was probably about 14 or 15 that he was like you know you you make that guitar sound better than 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 i ever could so i was like okay suddenly <laughs> i'm better than my dad at something so that was quite a cool thing and he sung as well uh, he was a good singer yeah and that's right there was a delivery person and he came in pretty much once a week without fail and he came in and he was like oh where's 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 your dad where's ken and i told him and honestly it was like this man in front of me was probably in his 50s or something just shrunk to a little boy and he sat down and he's and i was like do you want a cup of tea <laughs> he's oh. like yeah and he was like i lost my dad like three years ago um and it was just mad you know it was like we didn't we'd it's one of those things where you just do the niceties all right got a delivery for yeah, you lovely yeah. lovely day yeah we know and he was off you know and that was yeah. the relationship i had with him for years and then suddenly i just said this one thing and it was like we had been friends forever it's very yeah. very strange um but that the kind of uh i guess the veil of um had lifted yeah in certain in certain scenarios and I think that, that that experience of losing my dad and, and feeling those things like, yeah, like we just spoke about, about sort of being, tearing up about stuff. I feel like there's a, a depth of sensitivity that I've kind of uh, developed, which I'm really thankful for because feeling things is good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Can I use that as the tagline for this podcast? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> feeling things is good. Sandbox. <laughs> <laughs> so have you have you finished have you are you writing this album as we speak i've finished writing what famous last words i've finished writing the last <laughs> song uh, i hope oh, yeah. so um unless my manager tells me differently um yeah you need to write more mm -hmm. um but yeah so i've yeah I've, I've written a whole album which i never thought it would be a whole album i thought i'd write a couple of songs about dad but it was yeah, it was the reflective time of the pandemic, and um, as I said, like you, um, my mum and dad split up when I was a little little lad, and so, and my dad never remarried, so he left me his house, and during the pandemic was the first time I'd gone there and gone through his stuff, because I'd, mm. when he died, I just decided to rent it out to a local person, because I didn't really want to do, I was a young lad, and I didn't really know what to do with her with a house particularly my yeah. dad's house I, d I just I couldn't really deal with it to be honest so I just mm. let this person live in it and then over the pandemic she decided that she wanted to move closer to her family and so it was like the elephant in room came back <laughs> to me and I had to confront it again and this time I felt a bit stronger and able to deal with his house so yeah I went up and um, my mum came with me and we cleared it out and uh yeah, it was a very, it was a very painful but also cathartic experience to do it. And a few weeks after I came home, then this song came to me, um, 
about clearing his house out and then mm. it just snowballed from there really and um and yeah so and then it it got me thinking more about grief and how I knew so many singers and songwriters who'd experienced some sort of a loss in their life and that how that had sparked something in them so I thought why don't I try and talk to a few of them about it and so mm. here we are with this podcast and talking about grief and loss and creativity so um, that's, that's great man I, well, I very much look forward to to hearing them thanks man <laughs> um so moving forward with your creativity now so you say you've mm. you've completely switched and you've gone from grief so does that feel good now and healthy that you've completely switched your theme of writing yeah yeah well, definitely i think that i wouldn't i don't think i could have done this without having written that album yeah you know um do you think you'll go back to grief again at some point or do you feel like you've you've scratched that itch you've you've written is it feel like it's something that you've resolved now no i don't think it's necessarily resolved i think it's it's interesting resolved grief interesting the word resolved because a lot of people talk about grief and they're like um it's okay i just um i just need to like do this thing or i'll get through it uh i'll get over it you know mm. and i don't think that it's about getting over no. it I th you know it's 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 just it's realizing that um oh this is really cheesy and my girlfriend laughed at me the other day right but i was um we like cheese here <laughs> okay good i like cycling a lot oh, yeah. i really really enjoy it and i've just recently got um a bike which is like a gravel bike so i can go off into the sort of countryside get off the roads you know and um and i went through this field and i got stung to buggery on my legs by stinging nettles oh, yeah. and um I was like, oh, I'll just get some dot leaves or whatever yeah. they're called, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I realised that, you know, they grow in exactly the same place that the yeah. nettles do. Yeah. And and it just made me realise that, like, you know, where the pain is is sometimes where the cure is as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's a very, uh, very apt way of putting it, I think, Sam. They often say, don't they, the thing you're most scared about writing about is the thing that will set you free. Yeah, and, uh, I think I've certainly found a, a, a resonance with that that, um, that idea. Like you said, the dock leaf and the <laughs> and the stinging nettle. Yeah, that, that might be the name of the next album. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yours, the artwork. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> so apart from music, you, you've uh, alluded to cycling. There, what what else do you use to to heal and to decompress in life well i do really like cycling <laughs> hey if that's your number one and that's your your sole thing that's cool then. yeah i do i've i there's a there's a kind of do you still uh, do some of the frame frame making that you alluded to your, your dad's old no businesses that do you know what i don't i really miss i really miss that i really miss that i love songwriting i love performing and having that connection with people but there's something that I love about starting with a bare material and by the end of the week it's turned into something completely different and you've crafted it it's tangible it's in front of you and you know it's I've, I've enjoyed my life as a musician not having a 
nine to five um but at the same time it's also really great to have that structure you know and, yeah. and as musicians we don't always have that and i think that can be quite a kind of uh something to be aware of you know um but i've, I've recently started um pottery oh cool <laughs> and i absolutely love it i i remember my dad telling me that uh, one of my uncles was a potter and we we've got kind of got a history of like fairly creative people like my dad um actually didn't know his dad um because he well my dad didn't know his dad because my my grandfather met somebody when he was on tour because he was a musician and my father was born but he had a family all right yeah and so my my dad was kind of uh illegitimate child kind of situation yeah. but he didn't realize that they were growing up just down the road wow. um but it turns out that my grandfather anthony russell was actually a composer and jazz musician and wrote theme tunes like for on the buses do you know on the buses yeah, it's like an old 60s tv program and oh. herbs and parsley you know it's 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 yeah anyway but we used to have we had this um uncle who was a a potter and i don't really know why but ever since i was a kid i was like hmm pottery but i've never never pursued it until recently um and i love it and you know my mind just goes when i'm there sat in front of the wheel just digging into some clay i love it mm, that sounds cool man <laughs> you're the first uh, potter i've come across on this podcast so uh, Is <laughs> that's really cool i'll look out for you on the great british throwdown next year then sam yeah? uh, well you know we've got to try and get the music out there somehow <laughs> <laughs> time it with the ne next album campaign. yeah exactly sam uh <laughs> You've been a great contestant. Where can we see you next? Well, funnily enough, yeah. <laughs> I'm at Milton Keynes Stables the week after yeah. next. Okay. <laughs> there we go. So, um, looking ahead now, Sam, have you got some talk more more gigs lined up? Festivals? What's what's on the horizon for Sam Brooks? I'm actually I'm in a project uh, called the John Martin Project, oh, where yeah. we play John Martin songs. Funnily enough. Um, <laughs> Funny enough, yeah. It'd be weird if we played like Bob Dylan songs in a John Martin project. But um, so we've got a tour in September that we're just about to announce. Um, so that would be fantastic. That's cool. really, really good fun. It's like a six piece band. Um, yeah, and that's kind of it until I, until I make a plan for when we've literally just got the masters back for this new record. So um, I'll be putting some plans together with my manager very very soon cool so yeah watch this space well, <laughs> well thank you Sam it's been a pleasure talking to you thanks for opening up and, and talking about what is often a very difficult thing to open up about so I really appreciate it and all the best for the future mate thanks a lot not at all thanks for asking me Alan I look forward to hearing the album and seeing you live cheers pal take care nice one mate cheers mate and now 18 and Sleeping by Sam Brooks Eyes heavy under clouds Slowly moving in over the town Another face I'm pulling on Until the panic wave Dark crushes 
information about Sam and his music, head to his website, sambrooks.com. Information about the songs that I used in this episode are available in the description. Make sure that you rate and subscribe to this podcast as it will help to spread the word about Feels Like Healing. Thanks for listening.